0: or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide.
1: Checking the resume, two thumbs down is what they say
2: Hello. hello. You are back inside the chat room on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We are broadcasting live from the University of California campus in Irvine. We're streaming on the web at KUCI org. We are podcasting every minute of this show. You can find us at KUCI.org. You will click on Archives. You will scroll down to Podcasts. And from there, you will see the chat room. And each and every one of our episodes is up there and available for your listening pleasure. I'm your host, Marie Stone. I'm on with my co-host, the fabulous Dana Forrest. How are you? Dana, are you there? Yes. Excellent. This uh, we are very sad to announce today that this is our last chat room. This is the last uh, Friday of the quarter, and the chat room has decided to take a little break and um, reassess goals and things. So, so anyway, we are. Uh, this is our this is our little swan song, at least for now. But we are incredibly pleased to be joined for this last episode by Dr. Julie Albright. Dr. Albright has become a trusted expert expert commentator in the media for stories related to the social aspects of the internet, including social networking sites like Facebook, Craigslist, and MySpace. An expert on culture and communication, she has been asked for commentary on topics related to popular culture, the internet, and plastic surgery. Her latest work focuses on the social and behavioral aspects of emerging energy technologies. Uh, she is the uh, research scientist and digital sociologist at Verbetty. Is that, am I prim- I'm pronouncing this wrong, uh, School of Engineering at USC. She has a chapter in a book coming out that she's going to tell us more about, and uh, it's my pleasure to welcome her on. Dr. Albright, hello.
0: Thank you for having me. Thanks
2: for coming on. So let's start out with what got you into this, what, you, uh, what tickled your interest in this area, and, uh, and what led you to where you are now?
0: Well, I uh, originally got a master's in counseling. I have a psychology counseling background, also a Ph.D. in that area, and in the early 90s, I'd met a fellow who was a hacker, actually, from Italy, and uh, we'd met on one of the online services, and at that point in time, it was such an early stage of Internet development that uh, there were less than 3% of people in this country even on the net. Um, some people would even say less than that, but it uh, kind of got me interested because I saw people meeting. I saw what was happening, and even though it was happening on a very limited scale, I saw a transformative change going on, so it really piqued my interest, so I started studying it in the context of my master's degree and followed up and did my uh, doctoral dissertation on uh, internet dating.
2: Dang. And how would you say, what are the biggest changes that you've seen over the course of your years in studying it in terms of people's um, behavior? Do you think people are getting riskier and riskier? Do you think people are now realizing what's out there and they're getting more uh, conservative? Or do you think, you know, people have always been people and they're just kind of doing what they've always been doing?
0: Well, I think the technology has changed so much from, you know, the early 90s to now um, that it's enabled different behaviors, for one, um, and the demographics have changed. Um, If you take a look at the development of the Internet, it was really developed as a communication system uh, by the government, the Department of Defense, so that it wouldn't go down in the case of a war or something like that, that you could still carry on uh, messaging. So it wasn't set up for Internet dating, certainly, or anything like that. Uh, but in the early 1990s, that's when uh, some of the commercial providers started coming online, um, like Genie or CompuServe. Uh, and But the thing was, they were very difficult to use. Many of these services, you had to use command language and type in commands. And so early on, it still appealed to scientific, sort of computer nerd types, So originally there was a little bit of a stigma going on in terms of, you know, I met my partner online. People didn't want to say that because it seemed like maybe it was a nerdy thing to do. Mm -hmm. But uh, since that time, um, America Online came along in the mid-'90s and created a graphical user interface where, you know, with one click, uh, you could go and navigate around, and they're the ones that introduced these chat rooms, which are really the predecessors to some of our... More modern internet dating sites. Uh, they had names like uh, "Big Beautiful Women" or "Married But Looking," and people would go into these chat rooms with specific themes, looking to meet other people. Yeah. So uh, it still took some time to take off, but um, because of the development of that graphical user interface, um, it went from under you know three percent of the nation to AOL had over ten million users, you right. know uh, by just after the mid-90s. So Hmm. it really made a big difference. Um, It started getting out into the mainstream. There was movies like You've Got Mail that helped to publicize it and things like that. So it's really changed in terms of who can access it and why.
2: Right, right. It's, It's funny to me because there still seems to be a... Uh, residual stigma attached to internet so saying that you met your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend on the internet and I have no idea why that is but you know periodically I'll ask people how did you meet and they always seem kind of shy unless like oh you know well actually J book or or not J book but um, that what's the Jewish J date J date J date and uh, it's interesting to me that people are still just slightly Um, I don't know, squeamish about it, embarrassed by it, kind of reluctant to to say it. And I thought, you know, at this day and age, there has to be a huge percentage of people that meet that way. So what are you upset about?
0: It's really really funny. Well, you know, I think one thing that's changed here is because you have so much more bandwidth, so much quicker speed connections and things like that, you can do a lot more. Uh, For example, photos, you know, early on, People didn't even know what the other person looked like. So there's a lot of transference and projection that goes on. And uh, so I think in the early days that led to a lot of mystery and intrigue and excitement around these budding romances. Most of them were also long distance, by the way, since there were so few people online. People you would meet would be in other states, other cities, even other countries. And sometimes people hadn't even seen uh, what the other person looked like before they actually met. So that was kind of interesting because it took so long to upload a photo or in some cases wasn't even possible. So some people would mail photos or or they wouldn't see the person. And then sometimes that led to a big disappointment. One guy that I had studied in my dissertation that I interviewed said that the gal got off the plane that he was meeting, and he looked at her and he said it was like a door slamming shut. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think now... You know, people are able to find out a lot more information about the other person prior to meeting, you know, photos, they may have seen, you know, a plethora of photos, even videos now, you know, by time they've met the person face-to-face. So I think there's uh, possibly a little bit less of that uh, unknown factor, but there's still a, um, because you can uh, modify your image online, there's still a chance that people might misrepresent themselves or the other person might... Uh, sort of misread what the person's all about.
2: Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. You are tuned into the chat room. Our guest today is Dr. Julie Albright. She is a research scientist and digital sociologist at USC. Uh, Dana, have you ever engaged in any Internet dating? And would you like to share your stories here and now?
1: (laughs) I tried very hard.
2: Yeah, have you? Have you?
1: It's the complete reverse of what I'm used to. And I guess I'm interested if... um, Julie, has any idea of the demographics? Because I think, from what I hear, it is kind of geek-based to an extent. Is that true?
0: It did used to be that. But, um, you know, I want to make mention of something that I, I think you'll find interesting. It is now, it's gone so mainstream that meeting online is now the number two most common way people met their spouses in this country. Wow. It's number three in Europe. And what's so, n- what's number one? At work? Yeah, you work through friends, at work, you know, these sorts of things. You know, church, you know, the traditional ways of meeting. Mm. Uh, but that ties into the demographics because if you at school, that's another one, mm. if you think about it, who's online? Well, if you're in college, you know, you're surrounded by people you can meet and date, and that's typically what happens. But as people begin to age out of, you know, school, for one, they may have graduated high school or college, uh, and they may age out of the club scene. Where do you meet people? Suddenly the pool begins to diminish, and uh, there's been more emphasis on sexual harassment in the workplace. So sometimes people don't want to meet there. There's less uh, likelihood of people going to church or some of these sorts of organizations these days, so people don't have that avenue. So uh, people have turned to online. So the typical data now uh, the most successful dater, I will say, is a woman in her 30s or 40s. That's the typical. Wow. Uh, and, wow. and, and interestingly, many of these sites are skewed uh, towards women. So I think men have an advantage here in some
2: ways. So the sites are skewed towards... Like, so more women are members of online dating sites exactly. than Exactly,
0: and some of them place it as high as two to one. And in mm-hmm. fact, the older you go the more likely that it's going to be a greater ratio of women to men. Uh, There was a study of Senior People Meet, which is a popular site for seniors seeking relationships, and they found that 70% of the visitors to Senior People Meet were female.
2: Wow. That's impressive.
0: So, you know, if you're a guy, in the, it, that's a pretty good pool to fish in, I would say.
2: Right. No kidding. I guess in the senior community, men die out earlier anyway, right? So the pool of men is diminished right. as you get older anyway. That's right. It's uh, it's interesting to me because I do a little segment on the show before this one, and we go through Craigslist. It's a much lighter show. <laughs> we go through Craigslist ads. And the number of men advertising on in the personal ads of Craigslist out, I mean, I cannot tell you what it outnumbers the women, but it's, it's, you know, 50 times the number of women.
0: And interestingly on Craigslist, many of those are seeking hookups or casual relationships. Exactly. And, and in that case, you do have a predominance of men. The only other case where you have a predominance of men are those sites that target homosexuals, like Manhunt or Adam for Adam, and those are, you know, gay personals, and those are the ones that are predominantly male.
2: Oh, you can't imagine the number of gay personals on Craigslist. I mean, you couldn't get through a day's worth in a day. you know there's just too many on there uh, but yeah, I think so i was I was curious how many people use this as casual hookup versus using this as marriage, you know, and how how temporary the internet feels.
0: Hi. Well, you know, I've done uh, several studies on this now. As I said, I've been looking at this for a long time. I did the largest uh, study ever done um, for L. magazine with over 15,000 respondents. We've done a survey on MSNBC.com. And follow-up studies have also shown that I think is interesting. The number one lie uh, that men are most likely to tell on the Internet is that they're single when they're married. No. Yeah. So, uh, and they're like three times more likely to be married if they don't have a photo on their personal app. Because <laughs> right. then it's like, Marge, I saw your husband on, on the personal, you know. <laughs> so then they can explain, well, my work is such that I don't want people seeing me. They'll come up with excuses like that. But uh, when you think about that, those, those folks, and there, there's a lot of them, uh, are out there oftentimes looking for, for right. hookups. But uh, in recent years, now they're starting to target that. This niche datings coming out, the Ashley Madison site. I don't know if you've heard about that.
2: I was just going to say, I think there's a dating site for married people, right? For
0: married people seeking an affair, and they're overtly marketing uh, to that segment. Wow. I think that's a a really interesting uh, development. And that's been one of the main developments is really target segmentation marketing to smaller niche dating sites.
2: And can you tell which of these sites is the most, A, the most popular, and B, the most successful? I don't know exactly how I'm going to measure success, mm-hmm. but, you know, most, uh, most right. people coming out of it with, with, with whatever their goal was.
0: Well, and I think that's a really important distinction that you're making. What is your goal? I mean, is your goal a casual hookup? You know, that's one thing. Is your goal a marriage relationship? That's something else. And I think, you know, going to different places for those different reasons you know, makes sense. Um, the most popular site is Match.com of all things, um, and they're one of the, one of the biggest. Um, so you know that that could be anything from casual dating to looking to a more serious relationship. But um, uh, the thing about it is, I would say sites like eHarmony.com; those are overtly targeting people that you know meet your soulmate. You know, they're looking for serious relationships. In, in fact, uh, I've been a research consultant with eHarmony. Uh, they actually, it takes about four hours to get through their uh, survey, to even get on the site.
2: I was so going to say, I didn't know mm-hmm. it was that long, but I knew there was mm-hmm. some massive intake.
0: that It goes is, and, and, uh, and there's good reason for that. They're trying to match people up in terms of personality matches and, and qualities that have been found important to long-term happily married couples so that's why they take such a detailed assessment of people going in but again those are people looking for a more serious relationship and how well does that work well it works pretty darn well uh at this point you know last numbers i heard from eHarmony had about 500 marriages a day coming out of there wow so yeah okay so uh, they keep their uh subscriber figures pretty uh pretty quiet but uh you know they've been very successful in uh, in doing what what they do. Uh, the original idea was to lower the divorce rate by matching people on qualities so that they're more compatible going in, so maybe they'll be less likely to get divorced.
2: So that, uh, that was going to be my follow-up question: mm-hmm. is how well these people fare in marriage and whether because I have to say pretty much every man I've dated, including the man I'm married to would probably not have passed whatever the test is that I wrote down on a dating scan site and maybe maybe that's good maybe that's bad you know I don't know
0: <laughs> are you saying you two are very different individuals
2: yeah or you know what I maybe what I wrote down at 26 when we married is not what I'd write down at 42 now you know yeah, or right. who knows but right. I think it's a really interesting notion to go into something that you usually go into sexually and um, yes. Chemistry-wise, and go into it really methodically with you know goals in mind that you don't necessarily articulate until you're months into a relationship.
0: Well, I think that I think you're hitting on probably the most important thing that's often overlooked. And you know, people say, "Well, I don't know about online dating; it seems scary, or it seems like people might lie about themselves." But think about this now it sort of turns traditional meeting and mating and courtship on its head. If you go into a bar and see someone, it's based on physical attraction. So you're meeting someone and becoming attracted from the outside in. When you go online with these sites, oftentimes it's from the inside out. You're looking at interests, you're looking at values, you're looking at these sorts of things. And then say, well, is it? And then a photo. Is this the type of person that you know be, I might be see myself with chemistry wise? So you know that's not necessarily a bad thing.
2: No, no, I think it's actually a really good, healthy thing. It's, uh, it scares me as to what was happening 25 years ago. <laughs> I think it's, it's <laughs> probably a good exercise for everybody to go through, even if you're with somebody over time. To you know, I'd be fascinated to see one of these questionnaires. I, I guess I could go get one and uh, fill it out with your with your partner just to see how you how you match up.
0: Well, you know, uh, there's been a lot of research on uh, successful relationships, long term marriage. You know, what what are the factors and and you know things like similarity in background, uh, similar values, uh, ways of communicating, intelligence, sense of humor. These are the kinds of things that really pan out in the long run. And, you know, oftentimes that physical chemistry uh, might wow you in the beginning, but six months in, a year in, you might say, gee, I really don't share the common values with this person or the common interests with this person. I really really don't have much in common with them, actually, when that physical glow kind of dies down a little bit.
2: Right, right. I'm going to let Dana jump in here in a second. The, The last question I'll ask before I do that is about whether or not you think there are more, I don't know if marriages have increased as a result of internet dating, or, you know, people are at least involved in some sort of happy dating partnership, because I'm imagining, you know, in the 1970s, pre-internet, more rural communities where you were just with the people who were in your geographic vicinity, right. Right. whether or not this is resulting in m- more people being together than would otherwise be single.
0: Well, you know, it's kind of a complex uh, question in some ways, but I'll, I'll try to unpack that a little bit. You've touched on a couple different interesting ideas. One is uh, it, people always say, well, geography doesn't matter anymore. You can meet anybody anywhere. But the studies I've done have shown that most people meet someone within a 75-mile radius. Okay. So even though the possibility is there uh, to meet anyone anywhere, it's not really what people pragmatically do they might meet see someone online in new york and say gee that person looks attractive but that means a long distance relationship and i really don't want to do that right, um, right. in terms of more people and, and another interesting marker in time here was september 11th hmm. after september 11th many people were so thrown off by the events and so shocked and upset that they sought the comfort of a relationship and these online dating sites Saw, some of them saw a hundred and fifty percent increase in subscribers after that date. Wow! So a lot of people um. went to the internet and thought, "Gee, you know, they reassessed their lives and they wanted that comfort and that support of a partner." So that's when, it, and that's when some of these sites really took off.
2: Interesting, interesting. Dana, you want to jump in?
0: Yes,
1: Dr. Albrecht, tell me how accurate this statement is. Online dating is arranging your own marriage to the opposite sex to the opposite-sex version of yourself.
0: Well, that's an interesting idea, Um, and that may be true in many cases. (laughs) Uh, I like this idea of arranging a marriage. Um, I think one of the most interesting and in some ways, uh, you know, just amazing to me, fascinating thing lately to come about is these arranged marriages uh, amongst Indian families they're going online now. Really? I have a son <laughs> at Harvard, and he's of this cast and this and that, and, this is, and they're searching for people to match their children with using these new high-tech techniques. I think it's amazing. That's funny.
2: It does seem like it's, um, it's designed to... I, I mean, I wonder how honest people can be with themselves on these questionnaires about what they really want or what they, what they think they want but what they couldn't really live with. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You like to think you're a better person than you are when, you know, you know I'm going to sit around and talk about philosophy. Right. and.
0: <laughs> well, uh, you know, and, and there's a little phrase for that that's, that's been used, which is that, that people selectively self-present. They present themselves in a way that they think are going to be attractive to other people. And uh, what's funny about that is it typically, most people are honest online. Let's get that out of the way. Is that true? Most people are honest. Most people are honest online. Interesting. When people meet in person and their second impression, as I called it, meeting face-to-face, didn't match their first impression formed online, it wasn't because the person was uh, dishonest. It was because they had projected and filled in the blanks incorrectly. Hmm. So that's what happens a lot of times. Uh, But there is... There is um, deception that goes on. There's uh, people crafting identities that are uh, trying to be more attractive than they are, and they fall along gendered lines. Men will typically inflate their status, their career level, their income, things like that. Men like to show pictures of themselves in front of a yacht or a fancy car, and sometimes they'll say, oh, this isn't my car, in the in the text, if you read carefully. But... Uh, women will often use photos where they were thinner or younger. Mm-hmm. So men present financial status to women because they think that's what they're seeking, and women present physical attractiveness to men because that's what they think they're seeking. So where there is a deception, it falls along those kinds of lines. And they're not wrong.
2: Right? I mean, that usually is what women are seeking, or men of financial success, and men are looking for hot women.
0: It's very typical. Uh, It's called the beauty for money theory. You know, it's very, very typical um, uh, of, of just traditional courtship rules. And so it's funny, but online, even though it's this brave new frontier... A lot of the old patterns are still are being replicated there.
2: Right, right. Our guest tonight is Dr. Julie Albright. She uh, is at USC. She's a research scientist and digital sociologist there. You can find out more information about her at drjuliealbright, A-L-B-R-I-G-H-T dot com. Um, so if somebody comes to you, I assume you're a recommender of online dating. If you had a, a single girlfriend, you would, you would tell her this is a, a good, sound way to meet a
0: man. I would. Uh, Well, I think um, the typical online data has a little bit higher education than the um, average person in the population and a little bit higher income. I don't think that's a bad pool in. Yeah,
2: right. And the top sites, there are always these niche sites that I hadn't heard of before. Are there some interesting, you've mentioned several, are there some interesting ones out there we should
0: be aware of? Well, I think that's one of the key trends uh, that's coming up, a couple of key trends, but that, that's one of them, is niche dating. Um, some are focusing on religious orientation. You mentioned J-date, but there's also things like Christian mingle and Catholic match. And so people are looking for uh, those that are of a similar religious persuasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, another kind is racial and ethnic categories, like black people meet uh, or others that are um, seeking um, Asian daters. And the Shadi was the site I was talking about, this combination of old and new, which is sort of digitizing traditional Indian matchmaking. And mm. they, they've claimed that they have uh, matched 20 million members uh, and have created 2 million marriages worldwide. Wow. So it's it's kind of amazing. Wow. Uh, I think one of the biggest trends within the niche dating, though, is is age-related. I mentioned earlier, senior people meet. The baby boomers are the ones now going in droves online trying to meet people. Uh, there's also sites um, that relate to age, and specifically intergenerational dating, like uh, Cougar Life. They're, they're seeking cougars and cubs, you know, older women, younger men, that want to meet up online. Uh, so I think uh, those are kind of uh, kind of interesting. And And lastly, in that category... Uh, and one that's been very controversial are ones where people are seeking affairs or financial arrangements, uh, uh, targeting sugar daddies and sugar babies. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of these is called seekingarrangements.com, dot com, where uh, you know women say, "Well, I'm here if you want to support me," and the men are typically married and are looking for something on the side. It's sort of a no strings attached, no hassle relationship. You know, it's all about the money, and and that's out there in the beginning. So it's attractive to some people.
2: Right, right. Before we switch to... um, I I, kind of wanted to focus first on Internet dating and then on Internet infidelity. Um, So before we switch to that, Dana, do you have any follow-up questions on Internet dating?
1: I do. Could she elaborate on when she mentioned online dating kind of uh, helps people match up on values? I wonder if that's as true as they match up on interest. I was serious when I said, are you not finding the female version of yourself? Because a lot of people have kind of expressed their experience as being just that.
0: It depends on the site. Um it you know you mentioned earlier the Craigslist ads you know that may be hey I want to go to a movie or I want to go out and have a drink and, you know you want to go with me tonight and see what happens you know that's that could be that could be just on the basis of interest at that moment but sites that you could sort of think of them as a food chain you know the the more sophisticated sites that match people up on many qualities like Chemistry dot com or eHarmony these are the ones I'm talking about that really match on things like values and interests and things like that. So it depends on the site and what their focus is, but um, these are the kinds of things that are are coming out in these sites that match for long-term relationships.
2: Anything else, Dana?
0: No, I'm good.
2: You're good, you're good. Yeah, you know, the general notion about Craigslist is if you answer an ad on Craigslist, you're going to end up in a body bag is that,
0: is that generally <laughs> Yeah, that, that may be the case. I, I actually wanted to mention before, before we switched off, you're bringing up one more interesting, you know, the body bag notion, but uh, one more change is in the wind, and that has to do with smartphones. Uh-huh. Smartphones are GPS-enabled, meaning that you can, you know, find your location, you know, with the phone. There's new sites now that are popping up on apps that are matching people based on location. It's called geosocial dating. So you can say, well, here I am in a bar, and then it will track out who's near you or even in that bar. So this is more focused on hookups typically, but these are these kinds of apps um, like Grindr or Scout or mm-hmm. Meet Moi Now, these have been popular with the 20s crowd it 's kind of a new trend coming up, so it 's sort of instant gratification meet me i 'm right next door you know here today, gone tomorrow, and you know we 'll see where those relationships go Are the twenty somethings
2: into more hookups than so my yeah, i 'm you know forty one forty two are the are the twenty somethings more into hookups than my generation was
0: well i 'll tell you i I was fascinated. Uh, I did a study with my uh, friend and research partner over at eHarmony, uh, where we looked at you know what people were doing, what they thought about you know courtship, why are you going online, what do you seek, and one of the most fascinating things you would think that the younger generation being sort of post feminist grew up in the digital era you 'd think they 'd be very progressive um, in in terms of what they were seeking, you know gender equality and all these things. But what I found, and he found, and this just kind of blew me away, the younger the group was, you know, you look at the 40s, the 30s, the 20-year-olds, the 20-year-old women were most likely to be saying things like, uh, the men, man should ask the woman out, the man should bring flowers and candy, women shouldn't appear too confident, mm-hmm. uh, women shouldn't make the first move. So it, it turns out that these younger generations are, it's almost, and, and yet the men were the opposite, by the way. The 20-year-olds in the survey, they said it's fine for a woman to ask us out. We like that. So it's mm-hmm. almost like the men are, are in the modern day and the women are still in 1952 online. Interesting.
2: Yeah. That is interesting. Surprised me. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't know. I mean, I grew up in the, you know, j- post-AIDS, you know, so, right. I was kind of twelve when AIDS came yeah. out, so everybody was petrified, yeah. and um, you know we had access to the pill, obviously, and things uh. like that but we were we were a jumpy crowd i
0: think well, I think that 's it and there and the media being so hypersexual, you know music videos, popular culture, you know you get this notion that it 's just this hookup culture, but uh, in fact, there seems to be some sort of throwback to. A more romantic, if you will, notion of of courtship between men and women.
2: Ah, nice. You are tuned into the chat room on KUCI eighty eight point nine FM in Irvine. We are on with Dr. Julie Albright. You can find out more about Dr. Albright at her website, drjuliealbright.com. dot com. Did you know there is an American Girl doll named after you?
0: Yeah, I, I'm. A, I have my own uh, action figure.
2: You do. <laughs> you do. When I when I Googled you initially, I said, Hey, look at that! How how great. <laughs> How great a thing is that? So before we switch to the infidelity discussion and online flirting behind your spouse's back and the problem yeah. that's become, yeah, um, I guess I should also mention online, I'm wondering if, if all of this in light of our recent discussion is leading to more rapes and sexual um, batteries and things because of these, I mean, it's, it's a little terrifying to have your phone as your GPS unit so that, you know, these, these guys can find you wherever you are. They know you're probably alone. Um, is this raising rape rates and, and date rape rates?
0: I haven't seen any studies on that, but I will tell you that there have been some anecdotal indications that particularly young women are a little bit leery of these geolocation-type um, dating apps because of, just because of that, the, the stalker, quote, issue. Right. Uh, so there is a little bit of, a little fear, because I think it, it takes the control out of your hands. You're now, you know, a dot on a map that somebody can come find as opposed to you're seeking somebody out and you're emailing back and forth and checking them out first. It's more sort of spontaneous. There is a higher level of risk involved. Because of that, you really don't have any background or information on the person. Not really. Right.
2: Yeah, I mean, the beauty of Internet dating had been that it was generally anonymous. You could mm-hmm. kind of hide behind your screen as much as you wanted. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thought that somebody could actually come hunt you down wherever you are, like geocaching for for a date, is yeah. <laughs> it's a little terrifying.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's a different era. It's a different mindset. Um, some... There's talk that some younger folks may have a different notion about privacy than older folks do, uh, be more open about personal things and might not think it's such a big deal. But, uh, you know, time will tell. These are these are new services, and uh, I suspect that uh, more things like this will be developing over the coming years. Right, right. Dana, you want to jump in?
1: No, I'm fascinated. I just want to hear more about why somebody would even, I mean, cheating through the Internet when you're talking about, like, the subject of this half-hour, it just seems kind of an oxymoron. How would you do that?
0: Well, it's so... Well, think about this now. I, I wrote a whole book chapter on cheating on, on the Internet, actually, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, think about this. You're, you're married and you're dissatisfied and you want to cheat. How easy is it to be in the den looking at Internet sites and contacting people? You know, let's say it's some fellow... The wife thinks, oh, he's in there working, and he's actually you know, perusing Internet dating sites. So it's a way to sort of, sort of get, a, well, now you don't even have to do that. You can do it on your, on your smartphone. So it's a way to sort of be there and not be there at the same time. You can retain as much anonymity as you want. As I said, you may not put a picture up, but you can put an ad up, and then people might respond or you might respond to people. Um, the number one lie told online is by men saying that they're single when they're indeed married.
2: So. And the number one lie told by women is that they're 100 pounds li- lighter than they really are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm wondering uh, if what happens in your psychology vis-a-vis the Internet, that if there's something in, in the the male or female psychology, I guess, that makes it easier to cheat because you're not sitting in a bar hitting on a woman... If, there, if the door to entry gives your psychology a break and kind of tells it it's okay until you get so far down the path that you're yes. like, well, I already crossed the line. So Yes,
0: yes. And this, you're hitting on some really important points right along that's reminding me of things as we go. Men and women have a very different, this is really critical, a very different perspective on online dating and whether or not it's cheating Uh, I've done surveys on this and said, well, is it an affair if you're, you know, flirting online with somebody? The men are more likely to say no than Mm -hmm. the women, and the women say it's an affair. So the men may see this as kind of a fantasy world. that doesn't really impact their marriage, and they may sort of get involved in something without even realizing uh, how far it's going. Um, so
2: where's that. the breaking point for women? If you're having um, any sort of email exchange with another woman, that's where they cross the line. I, I feel like it's an emotional cross of a line, obviously, rather than well, a physical. Well, that's
0: one. it. And there's yeah. there's notions of that too. That that women are more concerned with emotional infidelity, like you're talking about that bond that's being created there, and men are more concerned with sexual infidelity. Mm-hmm. So um, I just one of the aspects of the internet I think that's really most prominent here is the idea that it provides uh, an immediately available pool of availables to choose from it's right. a very big pond, and you can fish in it uh, as anonymously as you want to. You can poke around, and many people that are going to leave a marriage, for example, often have a partner, it turns out before they've you know really left. So they may sort of put their toe in the water. Let's see what's out there. Am I still attractive on the dating market? What does it look like now? Mm. Who's out there? Who Are they better than the spouse I have now or are not as good? So that's one thing that me, people may be doing is using that Internet dating to sort of assess where they stand in the dating pool.
2: <laughs> that's that's smart move, I suppose. I've also heard about Facebook breaking up so many marriages yes. these days and getting in touch with you yes. know, high school sweethearts and things.
0: Well, that's—I was going to bring that up. That's the really interesting um, latest development. I think is social media, and at first, people were not using social media for romantic dating. It just wasn't happening. It was friends, people you knew, and that's kind of how it's been. But what's going on now is, it turns out, people aren't meeting someone new. They're meeting someone old. They're reconnecting with an old high school flame, for example. And uh, more and more Facebook is being uh, cited in divorce cases. Um, uh, at they did a two, 2010 study of uh, the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers. Eighty-one percent of the lawyers surveyed said they saw an increase in Facebook as a contributor to divorce in recent years.
2: Wow. Wow. Are there so, other sites that are similar to that that are bringing marriages down? Or
0: Well, sites like MySpace and Twitter, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, the same thing's happening in Britain. Uh, Facebook has been cited over, cited over there in 20% of all the divorce petitions in the U.K. Wow. So, uh Yeah, that's what's really going on there. So it's not that uh, people are meeting someone new. It's that they're reconnecting with old high school people or maybe someone they had a crush on and they were too shy to talk to in high school. Now they can hide behind the computer screen, have a little bit more boldness maybe in approaching that person. And uh, next thing you know, they might find themselves in an affair. And we keep
2: talking about men in this regard, but I Mm -hmm. I assume men are flirting with somebody. So I assume women are just as... uh, Guilty of these uh, acts as men.
0: Well, that's true. Um, they sure are. Uh, it's just that men are more likely to do it uh, online, more likely to be on there, lying about it, uh, seeking seeking people. And I, and I think it may be that you know men are are maybe looking for these sort of hookups um, and using the internet to do it. Right. Right.
2: You are tuned into the chat room on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Our guest is Dr. Julie Albright. We are talking about Internet dating, Internet cheating, Internet flirting. Um, Dana, you want to jump back in?
1: Yeah. Dr. Albright, if I'm hearing you right, it's not so much the traditional idea of cheating as it is kind of the precursor to cheating. And the major problem is that they don't work on their own relationship. Rather, they just go shopping again.
0: Yeah, I think that's a nice way to put it, actually. And uh, it's so easy to go shopping in this environment. Uh, And do it in a way that you think won't have a negative impact on your home relationship. But... uh, you know, you're spending time and energy, you're draining it away from that marital relationship rather than working on that, so, you know, it's bound to have some kind of impact, and and the spouse often picks up on something, the wife, for example, might pick up something's going on, a lot of times you'll see people, you know, hacking into accounts to confirm their suspicions, be it email accounts or Facebook accounts, uh, to see what's really going on, or... You know, they'll see an increase of postings by some certain person and get a suspicion. So sometimes there are signs and clues that, that can be read in the digital atmosphere. What What's the impact of this
2: on children in the house? I suppose, one, you see your parents addicted to the computer all the time as they're screaming at the kids to, you know, put their phones down <laughs> and not text at the table. Um, but in terms of, you know, if you had a, a parents who were divorced in sort of a typical way versus parents who divorced in an internet cheating scandal is there is there kind of any difference in the psychology for the kids or is it just all devastation no matter how it comes
0: yeah well i think it probably is the same sort of outcome no matter what the genesis of it uh, is you know if the family is going to break up and change uh you know it's going to have an impact on the kids uh certainly but uh you know, it just it makes it so much easier. I think that's the difference now. The, the difference really is this, is think about if you're in maybe a small town, uh, you're a married guy again, let's say, you're a married woman. Are you really going to go down to the local bar, singles club, and walk in there and try to meet somebody? Mm-hmm. You know, someone's likely to see you. It gets back to your spouse. The online setting has made it so much easier to do it surreptitiously you know, under the cloak of anonymity of the internet. And uh, so it enables people to try things out, test the waters, check things out, maybe without being found out. So I think that's that's really why there's such a draw there. And again, this huge pool of single or, or willing availables, uh, it just makes it so much easier.
2: You wonder how people had affairs in the 1960s, you know, without cell phones. I mean, now you've got a pay phone <laughs> and you've got...
0: <laughs> well, in fact, that's another aspect that's, that's, I think, very fascinating. Not only an affair, but because of cell phones and because of digital technologies, now you can have multiple affairs. Oh,
1: yes. Yeah, there was
0: sure. a, a fellow who was uh, in the Army, I think it was, uh, and turns out he had 50 fiancés. Wow. And there was some kind of a special interest story done on the news of, you know, my fiance coming back from afghanistan and we're getting married and a woman is seeing it on television says wait a minute that's my fiance and the (laughs) story just started building two had already bought their wedding dresses oh my yeah so it's it's enabled this sort of player ability uh because you can text multiple people hey babe hey babe hey babe you know with limited time or effort and secondly, let's say you're with your wife or you're with a different girl or something or, or a different partner, you can text back to the person and they think you're sitting at home. Right. Or they think you're doing what you're, you know, wherever you're supposed to be. You're talking to them. But it can be done so surreptitiously with, like, text messaging now or Facebook message or an email that people can keep in touch in different ways. I mean, if you called somebody's home in the 60s and they didn't answer the phone, you kind of knew they weren't there. Right. Well, now you don't know where they are because right. of the portability factor of cell phones and, and the ease of texting and the cheapness of it as well as, you know, these other technologies makes for people being able to cheat on a grand scale
2: So what's your advice to spouses who, maybe you're not even suspecting this, but advice to kind of how to manage this in your marriage?
0: Yeah, shut off all social media accounts.
2: No,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I would say listen to your intuition. It's usually telling you something that's right. You know, if you have a feeling about something, uh, you know, it may well be that something's going on, so you know, kind of keep an eye out on on things that you see, uh, notes or changes in behaviors. Um, And those are usually clues that, uh, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire.
2: The other problem is, you know, how much do you kind of stalk your your spouse and how much do you, you know, clamp down on what they're doing and how much of a veil of privacy is each spouse entitled to? Um, With these fears kind of bouncing around in the back of your head of how easy it would be, but, you know, do you... uh, Do you you check your spouse's email? Is it okay to pick up their phone? Is it okay to check their text messages? Are those things, you know, where is the separation of privacy? I guess maybe every couple has to figure that out for themselves, but it's an interesting question.
0: Right. Uh, Well, you know, I mean, we know, again, you know, infidelity isn't uh, new. You know, this is something, obviously, that's been going on since the beginning of time, but, uh, you know, this whole computer communication and cell phones, it's just enabling you know new ways of carrying on these kinds of uh affairs right um, so you know I really think that uh you know it just, is just sort of changing the game again, the ease of availability the the surreptitious nature, the way that you can carry on without people really knowing I think that's really a uh, you know key to this
2: right, and do you think this has changed women or men's or anybody's kind of body image um The way they see themselves with the kind of inundation of, you know, porn on the Internet or, as you say, it's such a sexualized culture, the music videos, all of this. Do you think this has driven... Because it feels to me like our, at least here in Southern California, we're moving to two body image extremes. People are either getting much bigger or they're getting much fitter. And I can't tell if the Internet and social media is having an impact on that with people, you know, giving up and getting heavy or being so obsessed about it that they're at the gym five times a day?
0: (laughs) Well, uh, there's some class issues involved in that uh, aspect as well Um, in terms of, you know, the weight issue, the body image. Those from higher income levels, higher social class levels are more concerned with body image, with thinness in particular. Mm -hmm. Uh, Women of higher class status are thinner than women of lower class status on average. Uh, I think social media plays a role there, Um, and I think a lot of mainstream media, particularly television, has put an emphasis on things like plastic surgery in recent years. There's been a plethora of television shows around that, and uh, we are now in a real visual culture. I had a conversation the other day at dinner with some professor friends, and one of them said, well, if Abraham Lincoln were to come back from the dead, he wouldn't win the presidency because he's not telegenic. <laughs> right, right. And so, you know, we live in this culture. I mean, you're, you're on the Facebook or, or something, or you're presenting yourself in a certain way with certain images, same thing with Internet dating, you know, certain ways of looking and being. So there's there's more emphasis now. On the outer appearance, because of our television society, our media culture, than there was, let's say, in the early 1800s. It may have been more internally focused, um, but that—that's just uh, the culture we live in at this point in time.
2: Right, Dana, do you want to jump in?
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm hearing the uh, the description of internet cheating, and it seems to me that it's could become worse, and I don't know any way of really stopping it, because the people, especially if you're from the Internet dating world exclusively, because the way you find a mate is you browse till you find the one you want, you see it in person, him or her in person, you like, you don't like, and it seems like this type of dater might have the mindset of, well, if it's not working with my current, I need to go look for a new one.
0: Yes. It's, it's sort of like a fast food society, you know, this microwave society. You know, uh, things are disposable, throw away, you know, instant gratification, fast, quick, you know, as opposed to taking the time to put the time into a relationship. Uh, you know, the studies have shown that in marriage marriages where there's been infidelity, that when couples kind of stick together and work through it, oftentimes 5 years later they're happier hmm. so it's not impossible to overcome an affair but uh, i think that you're you're hitting on something it's it's really sort of another aspect of of our culture that you know rather than putting the time and the work in people want something instant and there's also this this the television and the facebook it makes it seem like everybody's having these wonderful lives or I remember a woman came in uh, of a couple to see me in counseling in Newport Beach once and said her husband was wondering, you know, why isn't their life like friends? You know, with all (laughs) these zany things happening and people popping in, and and, and that's it. They look to the media culture for these models of what their lives should be, and, uh, you know, some of these models are pretty glamorous, like uh, the housewives of Beverly Hills or New York, you know, people doing all these glamorous things and living in mansions and, you know, traveling and beautiful clothes. You know, it looks it looks kind of like a Cinderella lifestyle to people. So, I just heard
2: somebody say that uh, th- the reason Americans are so dissatisfied is because they're comparing their interior life to other people's. The very tiny select exterior life that other people are willing to show you. Exactly. Isn't that true? It is true. It is true. Somebody told me, you know, your life looks like so much fun on Facebook. And I said, I know. I wish I was living that life. And that's that's
0: what people do. And there's, you know, there's joke little memes about it that go around is, is, again, they selectively self-present. They present to make it look like uh, they're having a ball. And I mean, the, the kids now, they've got it down. They're media savvy. They'll, they'll make the faces. They'll pose. They'll, you know, it, it just looks like, you know, the greatest life ever. Right. Um, and that, Because that's how they've grown up, being media savvy. Being camera on camera. Savvy, yeah. Being on camera, Yeah because you know you you have a camera in your cell phone now it's it's not something that's unusual to carry around so it's different. true it's, yeah you're different. right
2: mm-hmm. how how well documented this every every aspect of your life is on uh, and publicized
0: documented and publicized is well r- and and i think that's really one of the final uh, notes notes on this conversation is that uh, there's going to be a new um site coming out where um, you know everything that you do online be it on uh on Amazon.com or on what movies you rent on Netflix, all these things are are stored in databases, and so they're going to try to match up um, people not just on the little forms they fill out, like you said, but on their film choices, on their things they've purchased. On, I mean, think about that. This, this one site coming out called the Complete Me, and and they're going to go and start data mining to create what they think is a more nuanced profile of people. But, I mean, so you brought up something like uh, something you might have done at 26, you might not do at 42. Well, data mining, you know, it doesn't have that kind of discernment. So you may have rented, you know, some crazy movies when you were 26 <laughs> that you might not be interested in now. But that may fold into your, your profile today. So the thing about the digital world is, you cannot anymore escape your past. It follows you forever. And I think that's really the big change. Um, and, and how that's going to play into this matchmaking market is going to be very interesting.
2: Very interesting, yeah. Tell us, uh, you have a book coming out. Tell us about that. Well, you have I'm a chapter working on in
0: a, a couple of different um, things. Uh, one is uh, a book chapter on flirting, cheating, dating, and mating in a virtual world coming out this year in Oxford University Press. And it really looks at you know, the history of Internet dating and some of the key findings and talks about where we're going in the future.
2: That's great. And are you a marriage and family therapist? Are you practicing or you're just working at SC in the engineering program? I department?
0: am not practicing, um, but I'm practicing using my uh, all the uh, knowledge and skills I have in this area uh, lately around behavioral change, uh, using the Internet, using social media, around energy. So... Uh, I've right. been getting involved in some of these ideas about, uh, you know, working on uh, the, some of the challenges of our planet and how we can sort of leverage digital culture to, to help do that.
2: Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, we hugely appreciate you taking the time today. Thanks so much.
0: Oh, it was so great to talk to you, too. Thank you for That's having great.
2: me. That was Julie Albright, Dr. Julie Albright. You can find her at com. More information about her there. That was our uh, That was our last show. Dana?
1: Yeah, she's on Twitter, too, just uh, FYI.
2: Yeah, Twitter, Facebook, you can find her uh, You can find her all over the place. So that's the time we have for today. You can find podcasts of this show, like I said, up on KUCI.org. You can click on Archives, scroll down to Podcasts. They are all there. And um, we will keep them. Uh, those will always be up, and we will update our Facebook page if uh, the chat room makes a comeback someday. But until uh, next time, Andy Bisoyan is coming on next. Stay tuned for that and keep yourself tuned into KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.
1: I get out, well I'm the master of balance With multiple talents I provide the landscape, baby You
0: provide the challenge I've been broken down and out And look at the sound that I'm drowning
1: out I'm around the town and I'm round about, And it's better than a kick in your freaking mouth These words might scare you I'm so make you tremble and double dare you but now we're always learning Always listening and very burning
0: You're not checking the resume, two thumbs down is what they say